we have about $12 million of debt on this building, this land from when we purchased this. Um, and, uh, and we have it at a very good interest rate, 4.1% for the most part. But it's going to reset in uh, 2025. That's in about two years from when he was saying this. And I'd like to get some people together and begin to look about if there's something we could do to help us strategically think about how to support and grow our ministries as interest rates rise and we need to reset this loan. And so coming out of that, we began to meet with a group of leaders in our church, and this initiative came out of that. In this initiative and through this sermon series, we're going to look at how God fulfills his promises, what God does to fulfill his promises. And there's two main ideas I want you to get from this series. Number one, that we can trust God to fulfill his promises. You and I, we can trust God to fulfill his promises in our life. Think about from Scripture. God promised Abraham and Sarah that he was going to turn them into a great nation. They had no son. They had no child. But God made that promise, and God fulfilled that promise. You think about the children of Israel enslaved in Egypt, and they were crying out to God, and God promised them that he was going to deliver them and bring them into a promised land. Uh, And God fulfilled that promise. Or you think about the promise that God made to Israel and to the world throughout the Old Testament, how he would send a Messiah to bring deliverance and forgiveness and new life and salvation to the world. And over time, God brought Jesus and brought that promise. Well, God made a promise in Jesus Christ that he would build his church. Jesus Christ sat down with his disciples and said, I'm going to build my church. Uh, you can read this in Matthew 16:18, where it says, I also, Jesus says, say to you that your name is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Jesus promised he would build his church, that nothing in this world or in the underworld could stand against what he was doing to build a church. And over the past 2,000 years, we've watched Jesus fulfill that promise. That's the first thing I want you to get from this sermon series, is that God is a promise-making God and that God fulfills his promise. But the second thing I want you to get from this uh, sermon series is that God fulfills his promises through ordinary people. When we put our faith, when we put our trust in God's promise, God uses us to fulfill that promise. You can see this again throughout Scripture. God promised Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to make you into a great nation. But God didn't fulfill that promise apart from Abraham and Sarah. He fulfilled that promise through Abraham and Sarah as they trusted God. It says that Abraham trusted, believed, put his faith in God, and God reckoned it to him, gave him righteousness. God fulfills his promise through our faith. Think about the children of Israel uh, enslaved in Egypt. They were crying out to God, and God fulfilled a promise to deliver them. But through Moses, who he called to go to Pharaoh and set my people free and to lead the people out into freedom. God fulfilled his promise to send a Messiah, but he did so through the faith of Mary and Joseph. If you remember, we're going to celebrate this in a few months in, in Advent, that the angel came to Mary and said, you are going to be the mother of the Messiah. You're going to give birth to a son. You call him Jesus, because Jesus means the Savior. And Mary said, how can this be, since I'm a virgin? But the angel said to to her, what's impossible for people is possible with God. And Mary believed God, and because of that, God fulfilled this promise of bringing the Messiah through Mary. 
And God fulfills the promise to build the church. Christ's promise to us that I'll build the church and the gates of hell won't stand against it through ordinary people who trust in Christ. Peter trusted in Jesus and God used Peter to proclaim the gospel in the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people came to faith and were baptized. God worked through uh, Paul and Barnabas. If you've been here over the past several weeks, you know, we've been studying through the book of Acts and uh, in Antioch, they prayed for Paul and Barnabas and sent them out and they planted church after church across Cyprus and Pamphylia and up in Galatia as they followed Christ's call to go and proclaim good news to the poor, set the oppressed free, and, uh, and, and proclaim the gospel. And so it's through faith that God fulfills his promise. We can see that in scripture, we can see that in history, and we can see that here at Christ Church. If you've been here over the past 35 years, we have seen God work through faith of ordinary people. Charles Hubbard was the first pastor of Christ Church. He came here when there wasn't even a church. There wasn't even a community. There was just an area that needed a church, new homes being built, new people moving in, no churches here reaching out to them. And our denomination sent Charles to come here and to begin a church. He was here for five years. We were meeting in Lorton Elementary School through those years. And then after five years, in 1992, uh, God sent uh, Pastor John Spate here. John left a thriving church in Texas to come here to take a little group of folks, 30 or 40 folks, meeting in a school because John believed in a promise that Christ was going to build his church here. And they moved to Silverbrook Elementary. And then in 1995, we built uh, our first building on Glen Eagles Lane behind the pool over in the Cross Point neighborhood. And we were there for many years. I came in 2003 and we had this thriving church growing. And even then we were like, Christ isn't done. God has more for us. God wants to, to build his church more through Christ church. And so in 2005, we, built, we bought this property here, 25 acres on uh, 7600 Ox Road. And in 2015, we were able to build here, stepping out tremendously in faith to build this great facility to move our ministries here and to grow our ministries as God worked through our faith to build this ministry. Over the past uh, 35 years, we have seen God work through our faith to build kids' ministries and youth ministries and CR and inclusive ministries and the branches home next door that we have for adults with disabilities and our school in Kenya, the Hope School in Kenya, and the Phoenix Rising, which was the first name of the sandwich ministry that we are part of, hypothermia shelter and camps and alpha groups. We have seen God build his church, Christ build his church through our faith for 35 years. And so what this series is really about is learning how we can trust God for what God wants to do in this next phase of Christ church ministry. What is the next step in trusting Christ and allowing Christ to build his church through us? As we've come out of COVID in the past year, we've had 45 new members 22 through profession of faith, uh, nine through affirmation of faith. We've seen our kids' ministry, our youth ministry, our inclusive ministry grow back to significant numbers. And at the same time, as I say, we have this financial hurdle to overcome. We put together a video as we've been meeting with people and getting their feedback. I just want to share this video, which probably will do a better job than I can do right now, describing some of the situation we're facing. So take a look at this.
God has been faithful to Christ Church since the days we met at Lorton Elementary through the years at Silverbrook Elementary and the two decades at Glen Ingalls Lane and now at our campus on Ox Road and around the world through our online campus. God has been so faithful. He has been with us every step of the way. We've experienced God parting the waters metaphorically for Christ Church and bringing us into his promised land. God has kept his promises to Christ Church for 35 years. When I first came to Christ Church as associate pastor in 2003, I shared with Pastor John then that I believe Christ Church had greater potential to make disciples of Jesus Christ than any other church in the Virginia Conference. Today, I'm more convinced of Christ Church's potential for spiritual fruit than ever. God has blessed us with an amazing campus, a great location, with dedicated staff, incredible lay people, strong leaders in worship, discipleship, kids, and youth ministry, and a commitment to local and international missions. God has blessed this church with the opportunity to see lives transformed by the gospel here in Northern Virginia and around the world. However, with these abundant blessings, we also face some giants in our mission to love God, love others, and live out the gospel life. We currently have $11.6 million in mortgage debt. This is down from 13 million just four years ago, which is significant. However, it's still a sizable debt for a church to carry. The majority of this debt is currently financed at 4.1% interest. Our challenge is that that mortgage will reset in July, 2025. That means in less than two years, we must refinance our loan at new rates. Now, we don't know what those rates will be at that time, but current interest rates are significantly higher than what we now pay. If our loan were to reset at current rates, which are about 7%, this would add $238,000 annually to our mortgage payment. That increase could significantly constrain our ability to fund many of the ministries that are bearing fruit in Northern Virginia and around the world. With this in mind, Christ Church leadership has prayerfully discerned that we need to raise $2 million above our normal giving in the next two years to be able to pay down our mortgage and preserve our missions and ministry for growth beyond 2025. We believe that this is the best way to fulfill God's promise for Christ Church. I would invite you to prayerfully consider how Jesus might be calling you to support this effort. Let me ask you to do three things. First, I would ask you to pray. Please pray that we might see his hand of grace fulfilling his promise. Second, I would ask you to read through our Fulfilling the Promise booklet to fully understand the opportunity we have. I want you to be aware of what God is doing here at Christ Church and the hurdles we face. Third, I would ask you to consider if Christ would call you to give beyond your regular tithe over a two-year period to see God fulfill this promise. God is faithful. We have seen him part the waters and bring us into the land. I am confident that we will see Christ's hand of grace fulfilling his promise to build his church. Thank you for your faithfulness to Christ and his church. So at the beginning of the summer, uh, this gentleman came to me. He was really influential in helping us move over to this land and knows our financial situation well and said, Todd, I think there, there's a, an opportunity for us to get ahead of what's going to happen in the next couple of years. 
we put a little committee together to begin to look at this. And, and my uh, thought was, let's do a little uh, letter campaign to try to raise a little bit of money to begin to pay this down. But that committee said, we feel like this is an opportunity to, to do a, a larger initiative to try to pay down what they felt like we needed to do, which was $2 million. We began to meet in homes, little groups that we called cottage meetings. Over the past six weeks, we've had four of these meetings in homes with 10 or 20 people, one meeting online, one meeting with the staff. Six of these meetings, we probably met with about 40 or 50 families, like 60 people or so. And out of that, we've already had about 26 families commit, 28 I think now after this week, 28 families commit, and they have committed over a million dollars in addition to their regular giving over the next two years to help us to, uh, to, to deal with this obstacle we're facing with our, with, our, uh, with our debt resetting in 2025. The question came up, why didn't you just lock down uh, low interest rates two years ago when we all did on our home? And, uh, and I asked that question myself, you know, because I was coming at that time. But because this is a commercial loan, the organizations that give these loans, ours is with the United Methodist Foundation, only give five-year loans. It's, a, it's amortized over a long period of time, we've learned, like 30 years, but it's only a five-year loan, and then it resets. And so fortunately, we have two years before this happens, and in the summer of 2025, we will need to reset the loan. If we don't do anything, we're going to owe about $11 million at that time. If we uh, are able to raise $2 million in addition, we'll owe about $9 million at that time. And we feel like if interest rates are about what they are now, that that will be uh, an amount that we'll be able to handle at that time. Well, anyways, let me get back to the Word of God and to preaching. Uh, building the church is not our job. Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates of hell won't stand against it. But the way Jesus has determined to build his church is to work through people like us. The truth is, is that not everybody here can give over and above their normal tithe or giving to an initiative like this. But all of us have the opportunity to step forward in our faith and our trust in God as we pray, as we think about, as we talk about, as we serve. We have two leaders of this initiative, uh, Tim uh, Samford and Laura Cranston, and I'll be introducing them as we go through this, and they'll give a lot more of the pertinent information dealing with our finances. I want to turn now to Romans chapter 4, verses 16 through 25. In that text, Paul talks about how God's promises become activated in our life. He's talking about God's uh, most important promise, the promise of salvation, how God uh, brings justification and new life and forgiveness and, uh, and, and God's uh, promise of salvation to our lives. And he's talking about what activates that promise in our lives. And, and there's three things I want you to see from this text. Number one, that God makes promises or that God made a promise. This is Roman number one in your sermon notes. It says in, in Romans 4, 16 through 17, it says, for this reason, it is by faith. The word it there refers to God's promise of salvation, that God has promised us new life in Jesus Christ. For this reason, it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed 
to all the descendants, not only those who are of the law, but also those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, a father of many nations I have made you. That's a quote from Genesis chapter 17, verse 15. In the, pre- in the presence of him who he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. God is a promise-making God. If you read through Scripture over and over, you'll see God make promises. God uh, has has work that God is accomplishing in this world. But the means of God's promise is faith. That God makes a promise and then he works through regular human beings to fulfill that promise. God's greatest promise is his promise of salvation. Since the time of Adam and Eve, when sin came in the world and death came in the world and we became slaves to sin and death, God made this promise that one day he would get personally involved. He'd come down to earth. He'd offer salvation, new life. He would die in our place. He would be this suffering servant to give himself for us, that by his stripes we would be healed. And that promise came about in Jesus Christ, but that promise came about ultimately through faith. It becomes active in our lives through faith, and it was initiated with with Abraham as Abraham believed God. God promised Abraham that God would make him into a great nation, him and Sarah, but more than just the father of a great nation, that he'd make them the father of many nations, that this redemptive work in the world would come through this promise that he made to Abraham. And it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, Abraham put his faith in God's promise. And, and as Paul says here, he became a model, not just for himself or for the people of his lineage, the Hebrew people, but for all people. So he became the father of many nations of this means of salvation. And that means of salvation is faith. This is Roman numeral two on your sermon notes, that God's promise is conditioned by faith. It says in verse 18 through 21, in hope against hope, he, Abraham, believed so that he might become the father of many nations according to which to that which is spoken. So shall your descendants be. Your descendants won't just be your physical offspring, but the people of faith. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet in respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform. God makes promises, but God's promise is conditioned by faith. In other words, God is God, and his promises are certain, but they become alive and we experience them in our life and in our world through faith. Abraham, 100 years old, looked at himself and thought, what can I do? How can I be the father of a great nation? He looked at his wife, 90 years old and barren, and said, what can we do? How can we become the father of a great nation, a father of many nations? But God made a promise, and based on that promise, Abraham and Sarah believed God and God brought about this salvation for him and through him for the whole world. You know, most promises that people make have conditions. That's the nature of the promise. The promise has a condition. For instance, uh, in my own life, uh, when I uh, had kids at home, 
Friday night was a special night typically in our home. Friday night was typically our family night. And so on Friday night, sometimes we'd go out to eat. Sometimes we'd have dinner at home. But one of the things I like to do on weekends, and you guys probably heard this if you have been around church a while, is on weekends, I like to eat desserts. I like to eat desserts anytime, but I try not to eat desserts during the week because they're not so healthy for me. But on the weekends, so typically on a Friday night, the kids would eat dinner and I'd tell them, hey, it's Friday night. We're going to have Sundays after dinner, ice cream Sundays. We're going to get out all the good stuff. This is what I like to do on a Friday night. Um, and, and we can all have Sundays, but first you have to eat your vegetables. You make sure you eat a good dinner because we're going to have Sundays afterwards. It's a promise, but it's conditioned, right, on them eating their vegetables. Myself as well. I hold myself to the same standard. Got to eat something healthy, and then I can have my dessert. It's a promise. Well, God's promises are conditional as well. They're conditioned not by us eating our vegetables or us keeping a certain religious or ceremonial law or us being born into a certain family or certain ethnicity or us being a certain religion. That's not the condition of the promise. It's easy for us as religious people to think the, the, the condition of the promise must be some religious effort that we do. But the, the main message of the gospel and certainly the point of the book of Romans is that that's not the condition. Yet there still is a condition. And what is that condition? That condition is faith. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's when we put our faith in God's grace, in God's salvation, Jesus Christ, that that salvation becomes alive in our lives. And so this is the third point in your sermon note, and that is that faith is the key to receiving God's promise. It says in verse 22, Therefore, it was credited to him or reckoned to him or given to him as righteousness. In other words, Abraham believed God and God declared him as righteous, as justified, as in a sense, holy. This imputed, this imputed holiness, this imputed righteousness. Now, not for his sake only is it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered over because of our transgressions and raised for our justification. So Paul's going way back to Abraham and said, look how Abraham became the child of God. It's the same way that we become children of God. God made a promise to Abraham and Abraham believed that promise and God's made a promise to us in Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith in that promise, that becomes our promise. Now I want to just share with you, this is the promise of salvation. God's salvation is a free gift that God offers us through what Christ done on the cross and it becomes alive in our lives when we trust in God. But that's not the only one of God's promises. God's made other promises. And today we're talking about the promise of building his church. Jesus promised, I will build my church and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will never be able to stand against it. But the way that that promise comes to fruition is the same as the promise of salvation. It's through faith of people. It's through Paul and Barnabas saying, yes, we believe in this gospel. We believe that God has given us gifts to share this gospel. We believe that if we go, God will use us to build his church. 
through people like uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin in the 15th century who experienced this gospel for themselves and then had the faith to say, we got to move out of this institutional religion and back into this faith in Christ and called the church back into a genuine relationship with Christ. Or through people like John Wesley, who were living in the 1700s, 18th century, who also lived in a time of kind of secular, dead religion, and, and proclaimed this message of a heart strangely warmed and a, and, a, and a scriptural holiness that can be done through experiencing Jesus through faith. Christ has built his church through people of faith for 2,000 years, and we've experienced that here at Christ Church through people like Charles Hubbard and John Spate and the hundreds or thousands of kids workers and youth workers and volunteers and you all that went on mission trips to Russia and Kenya and France before that and the, and the folks that are working in inclusive ministry and the folks that have uh, led the small groups and are serving around our campus. Christ is building his church through faith. It's faith that activates God's promises. That's what I want you to see in this text, is that it's faith that activates God's promise. That's really the main idea of this, of this, of this sermon today. Faith activates God's promise. Now, it'd be easy, and I'm going to encourage you to do this, to go home and read through this booklet. And as you read through this booklet, it would be easy to come to the belief that money is the key, right? If we just had $12 million, we could pay off our mortgage and we wouldn't have to worry about that and we could put all of our financial resources into ministry work. If we just had $12 million, that money's the key. It'd be easy to think that. Or it'd be easy to think that the interest rate is the key. If we could just get interest rates back down to 5% or 4%, then we'll be fine. We just reset our mortgage and, and it won't cost us any more. Anybody got Jerome Powell's phone number? That's a, that's a joke. Some of you guys may actually have his phone number. Uh, don't, don't share that with me. But you just think if we could just get the interest rates down, then everything would be fine. That's the key. Or it'd be easy for us to think, well, if we could just get people to give more money, that's the key. But what I want you to see in this sermon series is that the key is faith. It's faith that activates God's promise. What I'm hoping is that through this initiative, not only do we raise $2,000 and get ourselves into a better financial footing as we, our, our mortgage is reset in 2025, but more importantly, that we go deeper into faith, that we learn to trust in God's promise more deeply that we take a step in believing God in our own lives. Christ is building his church. That, that Jesus promised to build his church. We don't have to build Christ's church. Christ builds his church. But Christ works through our faithfulness, our trust in him, our, 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 our willingness to pray, our willingness to serve, our willingness to give, our willingness to believe him. A lack of money can't defeat God's promises. Uh, an interest rate increase can't defeat God's promise. God's promise is sure, and it's activated through faith. Now, this initiative is uh, not just about helping Christ Church uh, have a more solid financial footing. This 
initiative is really about helping us have a, a stronger spiritual footing. And so I'm going to encourage you. Again, I said at the beginning, I'll say it again now. Not all of us can give financially beyond our regular tithes and giving. Some of us are at a place in our walk with Christ or our commitment to Christ. So we're just now stepping into giving or we're even just exploring faith. But this is an opportunity for all of us to ask Christ, what do you want to do in my life? And what do you want to do through my life? And how can I go deeper in my trust in you? I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask Tim Sanford, who's one of our co-chairs for this initiative, to come up and to share a, a little bit more about the financial side of what we're talking about and how you can help in those ways. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you offer promises to your church, to your people, that throughout history you have made promises, and those promises are certain. And, and you have chosen to work your promises through the faith of your people. In this particular moment, in this particular time, in this particular history of Christ Church, Lord, you've chosen to work through us. And so I pray, Lord, that you would work in my heart and work in our hearts as we think about what you'd have us to do to trust you to build your church through us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is Tim Sanford. Tim has recently had rotator cuff surgery. I'm surviving, though. I've got a great nurse, and uh, she's taking good care of me. Tim has been a great support. He and Laura Cranston, who uh, you'll meet as well, she'll be here to share next week, have just ushered uh, this uh, initiative through and uh, opened up their homes and shared uh, this with our, our church. Um, so what is the step that we uh, are asking folks to consider as we think about this initiative? Well, can I, can I take just one break and, and ask Laura to at least stand up? I yes. know you can't see her online, but Laura's right over here. Wave a little bit, Laura. Um, I, I, I want everybody here to know at least who Laura and I are. Yeah. Um, I told Helen that uh, I thought I knew almost everybody in the congregation. <laughs> and uh, as I look around again today to try and validate my, uh, my experience, that's not true. So... A lot, of, a lot of new folks I need to meet, Laura needs to meet. But um, I think use Laura and I as resources. Uh, our contact info is in the back of the booklet. And what we need everybody to do is really what Pastor Todd's talked about today. Look, pray, think about your circumstances. But um, this campaign is so much more as you said, Pastor Todd, than finances. Mm -hmm. I think if it were just about finances, Laura and I would have not agreed to be campaign <laughs> chairs. Um, it's about making Christ Church stronger. And um, if each of us can look at how do I better contribute uh, with my time and my talents and my resources. Uh, I thought it was great that uh, Jackie Castro today mentioned that she brings people from her neighborhood, uh, brings people to church, brings people to Wednesday night dinners, brings people to other activities. If we all did that as a start, um, what, what neighbor or friend can I bring to Christ Church? Um, we, would, we would be tremendously impacting our own missions. We would impact those people. As Jackie said, it's changed her life. 
And as we did the cottage meetings uh, the last six weeks or so, it's been amazing to listen to people that that makes so much difference in their lives. Uh, our, our irrational hospitality, our welcoming spirit, um, the fact that uh, the church is there when you're needed. Um, so I would ask that everybody take a look individually at how do you spend your time and talent and resources and uh, what can you do more and take a look at Christ Church programs holistically uh, in addition to the financial challenge we've got. And I think if we do all that, um, God will move the mountain that's ahead of us and uh, not us. Uh, if we have uh, stronger faith and more trust, God will move that mountain and we will be growing the church he wants us to have. Amen. At the end of the uh, service, I'm going to ask uh, Tim if he'll be here if you've got questions. Laura will be out at the Welcome Center if you've got questions for her. And uh, we're going to be having four weeks of this initiative. And over the next four weeks, we'll talk more about God's promise uh, and how God fulfills his promise through us. Um, but thank you so much for your leadership with this. Let me pray as we receive the Lord's tithes and offerings as well. Lord God, just thank you for the way that you've provided so abundantly for your church and, uh, and brought us to this place in ministry and opportunities to serve you here. We pray, Lord, for our regular giving and for uh, this special opportunity we have with this Promise uh, Initiative. Through all of it, Lord, may you be glorified. The, this is Christ's church, and may Christ you lift, be lifted up and draw all people to yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got regular giving, you can always put it in the box at the back. There's plenty of opportunities for online giving. Um, but thank you for your faithfulness to Christ and his church. We're going to share in communion. And as we share in communion, uh, we're reminded that this is about Jesus, not about us. When we could not save ourselves, when this world couldn't fix itself, when we couldn't make ourselves holy... Even when God's people with God's law and God's temple couldn't justify themselves, in the midst of that, God offered us salvation through coming down to earth, through becoming one of us, through preaching the good news to the poor, but ultimately through dying on the cross, giving himself for the ransom of many, taking our death upon himself, taking our sin upon himself, and then rising from that grave to offer us new life. It was on the night when he was going to give himself up for us that he took bread, and he gave thanks to God, and he broke it. And he offered it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After they'd eaten, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks to God. He offered it to his disciples. He said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus told his disciples, often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, remember my coming until I come again in final victory. And so when we share in this meal, we share in Christ. His real presence, his spiritual presence is here with us. And we say, yes, Lord, I want your forgiveness. I want your new life. I want your justification. I want to be your child. Thank you that you've done that for me. And by faith, we receive Jesus. Let's pray that that might be so in our lives. 
Lord God, pray your Holy Spirit on this bread, on this cup. As we receive them, our prayer is by faith we would receive you. That this would be a moment of saying yes to Jesus. Yes to your justification. Yes to your new life. Yes to your kingdom, your church, your work. Graft us into your family. Make us one with you, one with each other, and one in ministry the whole world. That this world may know you, Lord Jesus, through us, your church. We pray, Lord, that you pour out your Holy Spirit in Christ, on Christ church and all your people around the world, that your name may be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.